The blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And I'm Joseph, a.k.a. Marvelous Joe, a.k.a. best guest you guys have ever had. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you are a multi-time guest at that. Yeah. yeah. This is my third uh, time on, on the show, I think. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Jonathan's only been on twice. Yeah, he's yeah. not as special, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome back, Marvelous Joe, to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We always love having you here. Um, in case anyone, for some reason, has not listened to our X-Men versus Batman animated series episode, please introduce yourself and where you are from. Uh, my name is Joseph, and I, I'm from Denver, originally. I'm just kidding. I'm from... <laughs> I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the Dynamic Duel podcast, and uh, on that show, my brother, my twin brother, and I, Jonathan, uh, we debate who is superior between Marvel and DC uh, by reviewing their movies and by pitting their characters against each other in stat-based battle simulations. So he's the DC guy, I'm the Marvel guy, and uh, I, I know you guys have already done a a ten greatest storylines, ten greatest DC storylines. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, that was bullcrap. No one cares about that. This is the episode <laughs> that everybody cares about. Really excited to get into the 10 greatest Marvel storylines. Yeah. To give uh, everybody just a little bit of history, if you didn't know it, if we, I if, can't remember if we mentioned it back then um, when you guys first appeared, but I used to work with both Marvelous Joe uh, and his brother, Joseph. <laughs> you could call me Joseph. <laughs> I, I know. It's weird. I, I try to. I don't know if you have to be in character or not. I'm not sure. I saw you roll your eyes as you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> So I used to work with uh, Joseph and, and Jonathan uh, back when I lived in Denver, uh, and they started this podcast a long time ago, and I, they were always two guys that, that I kind of talked about comics with quite a bit when we were working together. We kind of bounced stuff off, and you guys would let me borrow some stuff, and um, and I could you know kind of help expand some of uh, my knowledge base in comics in general, but also... Uh, you guys started your podcast, you know, probably I'd say a good year before John and I started ours, but definitely I would say was a um, motivating factor for John and I to oh, even yeah. get into our podcasting because we're like, you know what, um, you know, we're really we like what uh, Jonathan and Joseph are doing, and we we want to get we want to we want a piece of this pie. We think, <laughs> we think we can do it, but I mean, yeah, def- definitely just wanted to say thank you all for I mean, yeah. for you guys did your podcast, we loved it, we loved it so much that we we're like, yeah, we want to. We're going to put our own spin and make our own. So um, definitely you guys are huge influences for us. Well, yeah, I, and I absolutely love your guys' podcast. Uh, I love how uh, you guys started about a year after we did, but you were able to hit the ground running because you had that production background. And uh, you could go back and actually listen to some of your earlier episodes and still enjoy them. Unlike our show, <laughs> where you go back to our earlier episodes and you're like, holy fuck, stop stuttering. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, I've gone back and listened to a few of our earlier ones. They're, you know, yeah. you can definitely hear the difference. Now. Yeah, I had yeah. a shit mic uh, that I used, and I could definitely yeah. tell. Oh, yeah, we all did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I have to say, we we owe a lot uh, to the Dynamic Duel podcast. You guys are always uh, throwing us a lot of love, and chances are, if you're listening to this, a uh, good percentage of you probably found us through Dynamic Duel. Yeah. 
So uh, we uh, we definitely owe you guys a debt of gratitude for that. Um, How much? <laughs> like in a dollar yeah. amount? Uh, yeah, well, we're not giving you any of our Patreon. No, I say, I've, 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 we're already patrons. Yeah, exactly. We're both, yeah, fact, and you're a patron. I'm at us. the highest tier, and I'm a so. patron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah John, share... you're an executive producer. Adam, <laughs> yeah. we're still waiting on you. But I, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we all know making podcasts is pretty much just turned into a circle jerk of of you <laughs> talking to your friends, and everyone's like giving each other their money and that yeah. kind of thing. So it's just yeah. like, the money's really not going anywhere. It's just <laughs> passing along to our own friends. Speaking yep. of Patreon, Adam, we have a new patron. Yes, we do. I am super excited about it. Um, You know, we, we have I, go a ahead. golden girl. A golden girl, our top tier. We are, we're at, we're at or more than four golden girls, aren't we, John? I think so. That is awesome. We, yeah, we're going to have to like name each one. Um, <laughs> So our newest patron, uh, we love him to death because he's family. We know John and I are family. Joseph and Jonathan are family. Uh, but uh, our cousin has decided to join it. So shout out to Matt 80, who has joined us as a golden girl. If I had to guess, he would be, I think he would be a, um, maybe a Sophia. He is a sassy little motherfucker. <laughs> you know, he's, he's probably a Sophia if I had to pick. He's probably a Sophia. He probably fancies himself a Blanche, but I no. think he's definitely more a Sophia. Everyone wants to be Blanche because Blanche was so sarcastic and really like the lead, but no, nah, he's, he's, he's not a lead. He is a supporting yeah. sidekick awesome character right? in, in a good way who's like, who, who <laughs> jumps in with like the silliest shit that's going to make you, you know, your ribs hurt because it's so funny. Like that's, that's Matt. Yep. So uh, as a golden girl, he will get to pick a episode topic and will get to be on an episode. And if you want to be on episode, you can go to patreon.com black back. Uh, let me try that again. You can go to patreon.com backslash blast pass cast and pick a tier that works for you. Yeah. Get a little plug in there for that. Yeah, Matt. Matt took me to the lumberyard one time in Iowa. That was good times. You know what? He took me to the lumberyard <laughs> one time in Iowa. It's a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, cousin love. <laughs> Not cousin uh, love. That sounds that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. We know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Uh, nobody else does, but we do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Adam. Do you have anything else you want to add before we get into this? No, I mean, you and I have been big old Marvel Comics people. I mean, obviously, we know Joseph is from his podcast. You know, you don't mm. you don't hide that at all. Um, but John and I, we try to read we try to read whatever we want. But there has always been kind of a leaning towards Marvel. I'd say with both of us, definitely me yeah. in particular. Yeah, I agree. However, doing research for this and going back and looking at my shelves of what stories I've read. I realized there are a lot of classic Marvel stories that I have not yet read and and probably won't, well, not probably won't show up on my list just because I've not yet read them. In fact, I have a whole shelf on my bookshelf specifically of Marvel stories to read, and a lot of them are classic ones that I have not yet gone to. Yeah. So. Mine was very similar. Um, I was doing, I would say, so like eight of my 10, or maybe no, seven of my 10 come from like a five-year span when I was reading comics <laughs> yeah. really heavily. And so besides that, I was kind of picking and choosing some things here and there. Um, but like there, yeah, there's a shit ton of those classic ones. And that's why I'm glad we got Joseph on the show yeah. because he's going to help broaden our uh, our Marvel repertoire, if you will. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, I am I would consider myself a, a Marvel uh, 
expert, I think, I guess, which is, I don't know, I hate saying that, but there are so many other people out there that know more than I do. I have a great, broad, general knowledge of Marvel's history, um, just just in the books that I've read and, you know, the encyclopedias I read as a kid and all the research I've had to do for the podcast. As a matter of fact, most of the reading that I do now is a lot of the older stuff, just to get myself mm-hmm. acquainted uh, as I'm writing the character bios with exactly how something went down because usually in wikis and stuff it's very vaguely described and I want to make sure that I completely understand what the hell is going on with some of these characters and um, so I, I, I've been reading a lot of the old stuff but kind of like how you study for a, a test at the last minute and then pass the test and then immediately forget everything <laughs> that you studied you know a lot of it is not retaining so a lot of the stuff that I have retained has been some of the stuff that I read uh, when I was most into comics which was in the early 2000s Mm-hmm. Um, in that decade, the 2000s decade. So uh, you'll find that a lot of my favorite storylines come from that era. Well, let's go ahead and dive on into everyone's list. Just a reminder, if somebody says something that you have on your list and a higher number, simply say higher, and we will wait to talk about it until we get to, I guess at this point, the highest version of it, because with three people, it is possible for it to uh, be bumped up a couple different times, depending on what it is. Um, so since Joseph is the quote unquote expert, he's going to get to have the last word. Mm -hmm. So I will start and then we'll have Adam go and then Joseph and we'll just keep that rotation. Okay. Does that sound good? good? Yep. All right. Well, my number 10 is definitely not going to show up on Joseph's list. And if it shows up on Adam's list, it's only going to be for the same reason why it shows up on my list. It's not even particularly a great story, but I am particularly nostalgic for it because it's one of the first big crossover stories I ever read. Um, There are three stories, I believe, with this title, and you could probably make the argument that this is the third best of the three. (laughs) I know. Yeah. My number 10 is The Infinity Crusade. Higher on my list. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, and it's for the same reason that you are that that one word nostalgia, my man. Okay. <laughs> so we'll get we'll get to it. Okay, I know uh, of Joseph. It. I'm a, I'm a, you know of it. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was one of the books that uh, came after the Infinity Gauntlet storyline regarding right. Adam Warlock and the Infinity Crusade and everything. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, Adam, you're number ten. Uh, my number ten is a huge crossover. Like those big crossovers are really those events that end up. That, that tend to draw like you know the, these favorite lists for me um, not mm-hmm. all of them I've got actually a, a couple smaller ones but uh, this one I think I think is a good chance for being higher on y'all's list um, yeah, maybe even both y'all's list uh, there was even a movie of it that was just yeah, loosely an adaptation of it I never read the whole omnibus of it because it's so many fucking storylines and it interwe- interweaved so many different heroes and villains and whatnot. Uh, well, I guess mostly heroes, uh, but it is called Civil War. Higher. I have a higher. Yeah, higher. I, I am not higher surprised. Higher on my list as well. Not surprised. All right, Joseph, you're number 10. All right. My number 10 um, might be on one of your guys' lists because it is a quintessential, if not the quintessential Spider-Man uh, arc, and that is The Night Gwen Stacy Died. I've never read it. Not on my list no. because I have not yet read it. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, it was just two issues, so it's a quick read. It came out in 1973, so it's an it's an older book, but it was such a tragic story. I remember when I read those two issues for the first time, like I went in knowing that Gwen Stacy was, was going to die, but what I didn't know was just 
how fucking emotional it was going to be. Like the dialogue in comics from the 60s and 70s is hard to read because it's it can be cheesy at times and stuff. But I have to say that Spider-Man's reaction to Gwen's death is something that I'll always remember, really. Because like the dialogue was just so real. He was like, no, 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 I, I saved you. You can't be dead. I don't want you to be dead. It was just, it, it hit harder than most other stuff I read as a kid. Um, and the the anger that he felt toward the Green Goblin after Gwen Stacy died, it, that dialogue was was also really well done. Um, it, and how it changed the character, it, it was just, it, it it was hugely influential to the books leading after that. It was it was a great read. I have to say, and this will kind of play out on my list. Uh, even though I have a kind of great appreciation for Spider Man. Never read a lot of his books. And a lot of those classic ones, too. And I'm sorry, there's going to be other ones that I know I should have read. And, like, they've made a lot of other lists and just kind of, like, me doing my research and, like, trying to remember some of the stuff that Mm -hmm. I have kind of read before. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no, I haven't read nearly enough (laughs) Spider-Man. It's hard because, well, even the state of comics in general, you have your popular characters, but you only have so many quintessential arcs with them. So it's hard mm-hmm. to know if you don't already know what those arcs are, but like Spider-Man, you know, you have like Craven's last hunt and J. Michael Straczynski's run and stuff like that. But, you know, especially recently in the comics, it's hard for me to get into a lot of the more new stuff ever since 2015's. Um, I won't get into it. <laughs> Forget I said that. Cause I, w- I was about to say the name of like my number one arc. So, uh, okay. <laughs> just cut that part but i'll say right. uh a, a lot of the newer stuff is is a little bit hard to get into i think um uh, ever uh within like the past five or so years i have to say i'm not expecting this to show up on anyone's list so i'm going to mention this because this this series just came out but uh I, i'm assuming it doesn't sound like either people are kind of uh reading recent comics like within the last year or so am i correct in that i would say that's correct i think with the access to the backlog of of comics uh, through mm-hmm. online and through Marvel Unlimited and stuff like that. I think a lot of people are going back to reread a lot of the arcs that influence the the movies and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. uh, they're experimenting a lot with the comics uh, okay. nowadays. So, um, I just started reading the King in Black series. Uh, it's just a short run. Yeah, for gore. Yeah. Oh, no, uh, that's I'm- Venom. That's right. Yeah, it's Venom. I, I'm actually, I actually really am enjoying it. I've already read the first four issues. And I think the last one's coming out, and then, um, I haven't yet read any of the um, kind of uh, peripheral issues yet. Um, but I've heard there's some that are good, some that are not okay. But the main one, the main sort of so well, I haven't read the fifth one yet because it's not yet out. But uh, yeah. the main story arc is actually pretty interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I have to pick it up. All right. Well, are we we're up to number nine, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, oh, well, I guess, well, the only thing I wanted to add was, sure. even though I hadn't read, to bring it back to Gwen Stacy's, yeah. I hadn't read that storyline, everyone knows it. Like, they yeah. they know, like, the, the main bits of it, um, and they know its importance because of how long Gwen Stacy stayed dead, and that kind of thing, that it, that it's, it is a quintessential, super important arc, so I think it absolutely makes sense to, to be on anybody's top ten list, so. Cool. All right, number nine. My number nine, I'm. this character might show up on people's list. I don't know if this particular st- – I'm not going to call it a story arc. It's more of a run. And it is the 2005 to 2006 uh, run of Moon Knight. That was started by Warren Ellis. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that was, was a that good the, one. Was that Vengeance of the Moon Knight, or is that that's a different one? Um, that was when he was Mister Knight. Yeah, oh, that was when okay, he was okay. Mister Knight. Yeah. So it was started. Warren Ellis started it, and then Brian Wood and Colin Bunn sort of finished out the. So that's like fifteen issues. I read all of them. Um, I loved it. Uh, it was. It had been a long time since I've read any Moon Knight, and this one really kind of brought me back into the character. I think um, that is the definitive Moon Knight run for sure. Yeah, he's always been uh, a cool character, but there has never been something truly great. I think until that run. Yeah, and like just the way that they kind of mess with his psyche and all kinds of stuff. I'm not sure how I feel about the whole uh, thing about uh, what is the name of the god? Conchu. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, about like Conchu. It really being Conchu who's sort of his split personality and not him actually having. I think I'd rather it be the actual mental illness that gives him something to deal with. Right. I think so. I, I, that was the only part that I was not particularly happy about. Um, but I'm hoping that they're going to take inspiration from some of the story with the new, you know, uh, Disney Plus series that's going to come out in a couple years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have um, to. They have to. I'm really, really super excited about that. Yeah, great pick. Yeah. I, I love Warren Ellis as a writer. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of comic books greatest writers, and so it makes sense that, that he's going to show up at least once. Yeah, yeah. List. I've read a selective amount of Moon Knight. That's not one of them, unfortunately. Um, but like, you can't deny that character looks awesome. What a cool yeah. design. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, do you remember? Um, do you remember that there was a story arc when when he was like with like I think it was like Wolverine and Spider Man, and then it turned out it was really right. him in yep. his head dressing ah. up as the Warren Ellis thing starts right after that. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it was so, yeah him right. Wolverine, Spider Man, Captain America. And those turned out to be alternate personalities of Moon Knight. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting. All right, Adam, what's your number nine? Uh, I'm not expecting my number nine to be on anybody else's list. Um, I don't I don't think it was like a super popular one, but it was it was at a point when I was I basically went into my comic shop uh, when I was living in Los Angeles before I'd moved to Denver. And I was basically like what has Brubaker want read? Or sorry, what has Brubaker written? I want to read everything that Ed Brubaker has done um, because he was my top guy. Uh, and he did some stuff with uh, X-Men, which is one of my favorite Marvel properties. And uh, specifically, this is the rise and fall of the Shi'ar Empire. Not on my list. Haven't read it. Not on my list either. And I haven't read it either. Okay. So this is um, when uh, Vulcan kind of comes into play right after uh, X-Men Genesis. Uh, Vulcan goes over to the Shi'ar Empire, and Vulcan is um, Cyclops' and Havoc's younger brother, uh, who he didn't really know about. And then there was this whole point where, after Genesis, that uh, Professor X blocked the memory of Vulcan from Cyclops and all this kind of shit. Kind of a shitty thing to do. But Vulcan is like a super overpowered uh, mutant, and he goes over and eventually kind of manipulates his way into leading the uh, the Shi'ar Empire, and that kind of and eventually leads to the War of the Kings, which is a, mm-hmm. a kind of big event in Marvel as well. Um, but it's just, I, I really I enjoy Brubaker's writing. Um, there's some other ones that I, I, I some other Brubaker stuff that I considered putting on here that is really good. Um, that's probably not on anybody else's list, but I'll, I'll throw out this, this these right now, which is Incognito. I love, which is a short thing, and his Criminal series is fantastic. Um, but this one was the first one of the first ones that like 
I really got into and it kind of fitting with characters that I already kind of knew and loved with a lot of them. Um, just, it made it really interesting and Vulcan made him a complete and utter badass in my opinion. Yeah. So I liked it. Yeah. Brubaker is definitely, I would put him in my top five writers. Mm-hmm. Everything he does is just pretty much gold. And uh, I remember when that series came out and there was always a lot of speculation as to who the third Summer's brother was going to be. A lot of people thought it was going to be Gambit. And then mm-hmm. everybody was shocked when it turned out to be some new character that, you know, was erased from their minds. Yeah. Uh, but Vulcan, he, he he is a cool character. Like, he has, like, it's like Magneto's powers, but with energy instead of metal. So he's like mm-hmm. an uh, energy kinesis kind of, I don't know what the word is for that. But uh, he, he's a pretty badass character. I like him. All right. Joseph, what is your number nine? My number nine is a four-issue series from 1994. Um not sure if it'll be on your guys' list, but I won't be surprised if surprised if it is. It's uh, Marvels by oh. Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross. I've not read that, but that's on my list of stuff to read. Um, when people ask me where they should start if they wanted to get if they want to start reading Marvel comics, I always recommend Marvels first uh, because it details the history of the Marvel universe dating back to. Uh, World War II with Captain America and up through the Silver Age, but it does it from the perspective, it does it from a civilian perspective, which I always thought was fascinating. Um, Because, and and, and no other story has really captured like the wonder of the Marvel Universe like Marvel's. I think mainly due to Alex Ross's artwork, Mm -hmm. who, he paints Marvel heroes just so fucking majestically, so real looking, (laughs) It's, it's just magic. and So the, the story follows a photographer named Phil Sheldon uh, from his days as a war photographer in World War II, and he sees Captain America in action. And then it goes to the 60s when he works at the Daily Bugle, and he sees the rise of Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. They're all coming onto the scene. And, and it really it, it studies the public perception of heroes from like the hero-worshipping angle, which is how people treat the Avengers, to like... Uh, hating the X-Men and stuff like that. And, and it touches on like the collateral damage that can result in these superhero battles. It's, it's really well done. Cool. What was that, um, that short lived TV show that was kind of similar where it's like, uh, based on the civilians in a world of powerless. Uh, Marvel. Yeah. 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 That... that was for DC. Yeah. 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 Just, I mean, t- totally different, but I mean, I even just like that, that cover art of angel, on like the Marvel's cover, like that one looks. I mean, it's it's to me, it's an iconic kind of cover. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. Alex Ross is he doesn't do enough work, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because uh, <laughs> I try to read everything that he does, uh, and and sometimes he can kind of get stuck in his own ways. Uh, he's very much stuck in the classic age, and it, it's hard to find him doing new stuff. But that's why Marvel suits his style so well, because his stuff is so old school. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he he draws the superheroes wearing pajamas. You know, with, with, <laughs> he doesn't have any of that high tech uh, clothing or anything like that on on, on his paintings, and uh, but uh, it works. It works for the story. All right, uh, moving on to number eight. My number eight is possible that it might show up on someone else's list. So I won't say too much about it, other than it was actually a fairly recent read for me. I only read it within the last year, although it came out in 2012, and that is Avengers versus X Men. Not on my list. I was debating whether or not to put that on my list. It ended up just not making the cut, but yeah, okay. I, I love that. 
Cool. It's a very cool story. Um, essentially, the sort of Phoenix Force gets divided up into five different people. I think they yeah. call them the Phoenix Five. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it kind of spears this whole war between the X-Men on their island, which I can never remember the name of. Utopia. Yeah, yep. Okay. That was should that which, I should have been able to remember. Which that. is a great run in its own. The UT- I, I like that one as yeah. well. Yeah. Um and just it was really it was really interesting. You know, I I like um I like, you know, having heroes versus heroes cuz just yeah. heroes versus villains gets stale after a while. <laughs> yeah. I I read I've read all of that um there's like there was like two or three different times like there are X-Men versus uh, Avengers uh, like they had those those big events mm-hmm. um, but yeah that one in 2012 was was one of the uh later ones before I kind of like kind of stopped reading for a little bit um or at least mm-hmm. like co- constantly going into comic book shops uh but yeah I I read that one I liked that one that was what an honorable mention for me as well um I just love remember seeing the shot of when the Avengers like first get there uh, to Utopia, and you see Cyclops just fucking side blast Cap. <laughs> Cap is holding onto his shield and getting like shot way back into the yeah. fucking water. And it's just like, damn, they, Cyclops just started some shit. Yeah. Um, and you know, like Cyclops does not, never gets enough love in a lot of Marvel properties, <laughs> but like that guy, he he is a complete and utter badass with his with his strategic mind and also the guy fucking cares about mutants and he'll do whatever the hell he can for his people and you got to you got to respect that yeah he developed kind of like a, an aggressive streak within the past uh, ever mm-hmm. since astonishing x-men i think um but uh, i i think it suited him while he he was mm-hmm. maybe like his character a whole lot more yeah um, yeah and, and i was so skeptical skeptical going into that story arc avengers vs x-men because I wasn't sure if they if it would be done well. We we've seen heroes fight each other a few times, and it d- never really quite feels organic. But the fact that they're fighting over the return of the Phoenix Force felt so organic. I thought it was such a great setup, and the fact that it culminated in the return of mutants to Earth after they were all all their powers were eradicated in uh, the House of M event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. love how how they. They were able to put kind of a, a, a lid on that. A lot of good writers in this series: uh, Brian Michael Bendis, Matt Fraction, Jason Aaron, Ed Brubaker, Jonathan Hickman. Um, a lot of big names in that. Yeah. Uh, also, names that will probably be at least appearing later on in my list. Oh yeah, might as well. For sure. Uh, all right, Adam, what is your number eight then? Yep, my number eight was uh, your number ten. Uh, more heroes fighting heroes, mm-hmm. um, and it is the nostalgia factor that brought it up to number eight for me because this was one we had one or two of these books um but we, i did go through and end up reading the whole thing uh later on yeah. but this was one of our early comics that we we only had a small handful but we had a couple of these uh and this was the infinity crusade from 1993 um and john and i we read these i, I probably read them over and over again and i and i'm not even going to mention his name I'll let you mention your character because I know you're a fucking fan. Yep. So, oh, you were going to be doing it now. I thought oh, you were going to I was going to let you take it. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, oh, okay. Uh, that was called, John, a perfect segue, and you you fucking dropped it. You dropped I it. was about to I jump would, in and be like, Maxim. I would, <laughs> Even Joseph I knows. I, well, because I told him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would not call that a perfect segue. Um, but, <laughs> but, yes. Uh, so Infinity Crusade was rich, uh, written by Jim Starlin, very famously created the character of Thanos. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can actually see him in the movie Endgame, if you know where to look. 
Um, what? He's actually, yep, Jim Starlin, the guy who created Thanos, oh. was in was in Endgame. Oh, I, oh, I didn't know that either. I thought you were referring to Maxim, but uh, no, where no. was he in Endgame? Um, he is in the scene where Captain America is kind of counseling the thing where um, the one guy is talking about the date that he oh, went on, and they cried. Support to, group. Yeah. There's a there's a guy with a goatee, kind of balding glasses, and asks him, "When did you cry?" or something like that. That's Jim Starlin. Okay, that's so cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I like that. They, I liked that they included him in that since it was kind of the culmination of the of the Thanos yep. story for the MCU, and that was yeah. his character. Mm-hmm. But he also created another character who nobody knows about except for <laughs> apparently me and Adam and now Joseph because I made him do a duel with it over on his. On his podcast, and that uh, was Maxim, who is this super cool character who can kind of increase his density um, and his size, which makes him look really weird looking. Like his head stays the same, but his body morphs up. <laughs> yeah. But he's so cool, uh, and he became part of the uh, yeah. Infinity Watch mm-hmm. and was tied into this. Uh, into and then this they got convoluted stuff. with him, and like he was like uh, possibly like a well, he villainy was, he, kind of thing. He was, he was sent future. back in. He was sent yeah. back from the future by I forget what the character's name. It's the evil Adam Warlock. Oh, Magus. 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 Yeah, the Magus. He was sent back in time, I think, to kill Adam Warlock. Yes. But in the process of t- of him going back in time, he developed amnesia, so he didn't know. Yeah. Um, I've actually started reading uh, the um, uh, Adam Warlock in the Infinity Crusade part where he shows up. Mm. I actually bought the book specifically to jump to the point where he shows up, and I started <laughs> nice. reading that. Um, I'm 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 gonna say this: it's not the best writing I've ever seen Marvel do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a little ru- it's a little slow to get through, but I I do love that character, and I wish I could tell you like there's a a big thing that really like made me love the character. I just thought he was cool. He he looked cool, and in that book specifically, or one of the books that we had, the first thing that we see is Invisible Woman putting a force field around him and then he's just like yeah fuck this and he just like yeah. gets big and he blows <laughs> that shit up because he's a fucking pimp and then he takes on Hercules one of the strong you know characters he's an avenger really you know and I mean fucking yeets him yeah, he does. <laughs> yes he does so yeah, yeah he looked he was new he was different and he looked cool and in Infinity Crusade isn't just about Maxim. One of the things that was really cool right. about it is you got a shit ton of your favorite heroes and you're seeing them battle each other. Fuck, Joseph, you have an entire podcast about having heroes <laughs> fighting heroes and seeing who can win, and this was that kind of thing. And for yeah. us, for John and I, that was our first introduction to that. And so that's why it, it made both of our lists. Yeah. And it was also an introduction to a lot of characters that we wouldn't have otherwise come across. Because mm-hmm. we we knew the big guys. We knew the yeah. X-Men's. We knew the Spider-Man. We knew that. But, you know, we get then we're getting, you know, Moondragon. Who yeah, the Pip fuck the is troll. Moondragon? Yeah, Moondragon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, yeah, Pip that's the Troll. Drax's um, daughter, Moondragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um... Uh, Aurora, North Star, like all those guys, everyone appears in there, and we're we're learning all these ones. Yeah. We're like, oh man, there's this whole handful of characters that we didn't know up until that point. Uh, uh, Sasquatch, I remember, was in that one. Like, so yeah. a lot of a lot of characters that you know we have come to to know and read some of their other books, but like for us, that was an introduction to a lot of um, quote unquote more obscure Marvel characters. Yeah. All right, uh, Joseph, you're number eight. Uh, my number eight. Um is a 1986 arc in the Daredevil comic books. It was written by Frank Miller. It's the Born Again storyline. 
That is another one that I have. Yeah. I've, I've actually had that book for a while and have yeah. not yet read it. Oh, I I envy you. <laughs> I would love to read this for the first time again. Oh wow! Um, there's there's quite a few good Daredevil arcs, but nothing compares to the Born Again storyline. It, it was just it was just a story in which the hero gets so just personally utterly destroyed. Like heroes go through the ringer all the time in comics, you know. But the struggle hmm. is always physical. Uh, but in this story, this is the one where Matt Murdock, uh, his, his secret identity is learned by Kingpin. And ah. Kingpin just destroys him psychologically, financially, romantically, professionally. You know, he, he can't study law or uh, practice law anymore. He struggles with his faith just in every single way. Um, and he hits rock bottom or what you think is rock bottom like in the first issue, and then he just falls further, and he hits another rock, and a few more rocks, and then he's just in fucking hell. It's it's so <laughs> crazy seeing how far this character goes, and then eventually seeing him come back. Um, it was just one of the most cathartic stories I've ever read, and, and it really goes to show how great of a character Daredevil is. Yeah, I, I've criminally read not, not nearly enough Daredevil. There's really only one run that I've read, the Daredevil Yellow, Run, I, I liked, I liked that. That was great. A bit. Yeah, by it Jeff was very Loeb. good, and that, and that, that made my list to consider. Um, but ultimately, it just, it didn't, didn't. If I, if I was going for diversity, I would have put it in here. But mostly, I'm just like, eh, X Men and main events, X Men and main events, <laughs> and then some other character that you know I love who is up here as well. That I w- you'll, you'll get to. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of going for diversity, um, a little mm-hmm. bit with these selections, um, but I, also I was kind of going for tone, um, mm. and. This arc, I think, really hits that that street level crime story tone of the Marvel universe mm. um, in in one of the best ways. All right, we're swinging around to uh, number seven, mm-hmm. and uh, my number eight was Avengers versus X Men, and my number seven pretty much directly, well, not directly, but closely preceded that, uh, and that was House of M. Higher on my list. Okay, I don't have it on my list, but but that's okay. Fine. I, All I right, so um, my number seven. Uh, also, something that eventually uh, was tied into. A, I love how some of these storylines just weave from one to another and one to another. Mm-hmm. A lot, of, a lot of them do that, um, particularly because, like I said, a good bit of cover mine are from X Men, um, and House of M obviously had a big part of to do with X Men. Um, mine is one that uh, comes across a little later when. You know, after someone says no more mutants, there is actually the first mutant born and there's a race to go get her and protect her. Mine is Messiah Complex. I love that story. Higher on my list. Not on my list. Oh, so good. Okay. Okay. All right. Damn it. Why didn't I put it on there? (laughs) (laughs) If anything, this just goes to show how many fucking great Marvel storylines there are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, Joseph. Where Uh, are we? Number number seven. You're number seven. Yeah. uh, My number seven um, is one that I know that John has read, and that is Secret Invasion. Higher on my list. Higher on my list. All right. Not surprised. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so swinging around to number six. Uh, This is a fairly recent, and I say recent as in like the last 10 years, uh, book. And I, when I decided I was going to read it, I did not fuck around and bought the entire omnibus of it and read the whole thing 
And I'm interested to see if Adam has finished it yet because I gave it to him at Christmas, and that was Matt Fraction's run of Hawkeye. It's still sitting in my nightstand. I'm sorry I haven't touched it. <laughs> because it's it's literally I am working on Ready Player Two, and I'm I'm close to to done with it. When I do, that's next to read. Okay. And I'm just I I just I've got so much other shit going on uh, that I haven't been able to 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 plow through um, Ready Player Two like I like. So yeah, I know I've got your copy, and I just haven't gone to it yet. <laughs> Uh, part of me was like, I have to read that before uh, I can do my top 10 Marvels in case it gets onto it. But then I was like, eh, fuck it, I don't have time. <laughs> uh, Joseph, have you read that yet? I've read the first six issues of, of Matt Fraction's run. Um, I haven't read the whole Omnibus, um, but okay. I loved it. I, I I loved it. Especially the art. They got really clever yeah. with how... They portray things like the art is very simpler, simple. It's like one color. All the shading is black and everything like that. But it's the drawings are very technical. Um, yeah. And I can't remember who the artist is. But the writing is, is so clever. Um, it's it's really super funny. You get this really fun uh, interaction between Hawkeye and Kate Bishop. Um, I we know that they're pulling heavily from this storyline for the new uh, Disney Plus show, which I'm excited about. Um, there's this cool sort of throughway with uh, with the the Russians yeah, and the uh, tracksuits. <laughs> yeah, the tracksuits and bro, 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 <laughs> bro, like every other word out of their mouth, bro. I'm I'm really interested to see uh, what they do with that. Yeah. It really strips the character down too, um, because it, it, it's rare that you even see Hawkeye in costume in this. Uh, yeah. They, they, they put him just in the middle of this shit storm involving his neighbors and, you know, the building that he lives in, and he just kind of involves himself to protect them, really, and, and protect where he lives and the people he cares about. But he doesn't don the mask, you know, uh, and, and he rarely dons the costume. Yeah. Um, and Although I think the series did go into Madripoor at one point, which was fucking fantastic. <laughs> Kate Bishop is... <laughs> So funny. I hope, I really hope, uh, I forget the actress who's playing her. Haley Haley Steinfeld? Steinfeld, Steinfeld, yeah. She's going to do fantastic, I think. Um, uh, She just has that charisma down, I think. Yeah. She, I... I think, uh, I I think you can see that charisma when in, in, uh, in Bumblebee, um, which was not a horrible movie. It was not great either. Yeah. But she did a pretty good job in it. Oh, good. Yeah, I never saw it. You, you don't need to. Um, it's still it's still better than a lot of the Transformer movies, but uh, I was able actually I was able to sit through it without rolling my eyes. I'll say that. Nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the that run of Hawkeye is mm-hmm. so good, and as you said, it really deep dives into um, his kind of his mental state. Um, also, I had no idea he was that rich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. Uh... He wasn't always rich, but I didn't during, think so. Yeah, during the course of his adventures, he accumulated a, a, a fortune with the Avengers and everything, and through his investments and stuff. But he was born poor, and then he joined the circus with his brother. Uh, and I didn't know. Yeah, his brother showed up in that run too. That was great. I oh, love that right. episode where he was deaf, and there were like uh, no. Was that the episode, the issue where there were no words? Yeah, or, yeah. There were words, but uh, it was it was just signing. It was uh, in- interpreting the signing that he was doing. Yeah, so good. All right, Adam, number six. Yep. Um, my number six is from. It's it's the first introduction of my favorite character, and it's from a run 
uh, well, a bigger run that John, I know, is maybe your favorite run from one of our, if not our favorite character. But I'm not sure if this uh, particular arc is one that you loved all that much. So this one is from the Cable and Deadpool series. Love that series. But this one is the last seven books of that run. It's called Alone Again Naturally. It's I'm, I'm going to say higher. Okay. All right. Joseph, you're number six. My number six is the Dark Phoenix Saga. I have never read the Dark Phoenix Saga. Me too. <laughs> I've, se- I've seen it. They, they put it on the animated uh, X-Men. Why do I need to read it? I, I watched it on the X-Men animated show. I mean, it's done an, it poor. They've done it poorly twice now in movies. Yeah, did it decently in the TV show. Yeah. I, at this point, I'm like, I don't even know if I need to read it. Well, it's always been an abridged version. Um, mm-hmm. Of it, and, and the 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 real run is is pretty actually lengthy. It's like ten issues long, mm. um, because it goes into you know her her death and rebirth as this powerful being, and then her manipulation by the Hellfire Club. And then uh, her her journey out into space as the Dark Phoenix and destroys the solar uh, the solar system, and then the trial by combat with the Imperial Guard of the Shi'ar Empire. It's it's there's a lot to it, so it's a long story. But before the Phoenix was retconned to just be a manifestation of this cosmic entity, the Phoenix character was essentially a tale about a mutant whose abilities became too powerful and out of control, which is interesting. And, and Jean Grey was always presented as having this untapped potential. And when it was realized uh, as she sacrificed herself for her team, uh, wait, what did I say? <laughs> uh, untapped was, potential. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. She was the manifestation or yeah. no, no, it was the untapped. untapped she potential. was always. Yeah. And, and when she sacrificed herself for the team, and she turned into like this god that was like beyond the control of anything and anyone. Um, it, it was it was like a cautionary tale, kind of on for on Chris Claremont's behalf, and mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of a shame that that whole series was that or that whole story was kind of retconned, uh, so that it wasn't just Jean Grey um, uh, establishing her potential, and it was just somebody who looked like Jean Grey. This this force whatever mm-hmm. i thought that was a little bit disappointing but the story yeah. itself is so beautiful especially uh at the end uh when i mean you guys know the story she ends up sacrificing herself to save her team and, and the man she loves i've come to the conclusion now and this has happened several times uh, if there's a story i really like and someone else comes in and retcons it in some way i just ignore it the retcon <laughs> or the, the story? retcon i yeah. just fucking ignore the retcon. i'm just like you know what it didn't happen i don't yeah. I, don't, I don't give a shit what it, what <laughs> They said someone that was a bad call on someone's part. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Phoenix Force as this like entity of life is so actually less interesting to me than the very personal human tale of Jean Grey developing powers beyond her control. Uh, all right, that was our bottom half, and let's go on to our top half. That was uh, a great bottom half, much like my bottom half. It's wonderful. <laughs> I knew uh, you were gonna. I concur. Say something. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, number five. Uh, was already uh, mentioned before, and it may be mentioned higher again. Uh, so I'll just go ahead and say it. My number five is Civil War. I have a higher still. Okay. Okay. Cool. Adam? Um, and my number five was mentioned before, and it might be higher still. Well, it has to be because uh, it was Joseph's lower, and so I think higher on John. Uh, my number five is Secret Invasion. Higher on my list. Okay. And my number five 
was not mentioned. So hopefully <laughs> this isn't just a, a wash round. We can actually talk. <laughs> <laughs> My number five uh, was a six-issue miniseries released in 2006 called Annihilation. Ah, oh, I barely missed my list. I have so not good. read that one yet, but I've heard nothing but good things. It's yeah. essentially the ultimate cosmic Marvel story. Like, yeah. none of it takes place on Earth. It's all just out in the Marvel Universe, and it, it's basically anyone who who's anyone out there is in this story. You have, like, Nova, Silver Surfer, Ronin, Quasar. You have the Kree, the Skrulls, the Her- all the Heralds of Galactus. Like, never before in a story had they all been united like this um until this story and and it was everything that you wanted to be in just this space action adventure mm-hmm. it was also a great setup for the new guardians of the galaxy team that we know today with star lord and Groot and drax rocket raccoon yeah yeah and, which uh, actually will, which will di- tie into one of my honorable mentions but i'll just go to the thanos imperative which i love oh yeah um but yeah but annihilus kind of came before set some of that exactly for for the new guardians which did some of that stuff but yeah yeah and annihilus as the as the villain and whatnot is just i mean new new kind of crazy shit it's awesome he was so great and like he yeah. just this was like an excuse to just use so much of the marvel universe that wasn't earth just as cannon fodder you know there was so mm-hmm. much collateral damage entire planets entire solar systems just whole galaxies destroyed the stakes were fucking ridiculous and uh i i just love it and like there have been other cosmic events since this one like the the cancerverse storyline with like the war of kings and stuff or the builders invasion in avengers world storyline uh but i feel like those have all been piss poor attempts to try to recreate the magic of the annihilus Mm -hmm. invasion in the annihilation storyline all right, uh, number four. My number four has already been mentioned twice, um, and I have read the whole thing, the whole bloody <laughs> thing, and that was Secret Invasion. Yeah. Yeah, great, great story. I haven't read the whole thing. I only read the main eight-issue uh, series, mm-hmm. but I never read any of the tie-ins. I don't usually read the tie-ins. Uh, I don't know why. But there's so I, many with with all these main event main storylines. Yeah, yeah. There's so many goddamn tie-ins that yeah. a lot of the times they don't they don't fucking matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that was true of this one. There were a lot of tie-ins that didn't directly affect the main story, but just sort of happened in the world at the same time. Uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, and I've mentioned it before, but if you didn't know, um, I went on a bender last year right at the beginning of quarantine because I all of a sudden found myself with a lot of time and decided I've never read Secret Invasion. I'm going to read the whole fucking thing. 21 different trade paperbacks. Jesus Uh, Christ. (laughs) Yeah, And you talked about it. It's now a a defunct podcast, but you talked about it with uh, our friend Tess on the OCD podcast. Yeah. It's probably still up though. Yeah. I would imagine so. I'm sure you can still go find it. Um, And uh, she did not read the whole thing for it. She just read the main book, but uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, so I went on this thing and I decided I was going to try and read it and read. I tried to read a book a day that didn't always happen, um, but I I did my best. I found an order and it's so it's so fun reading something like that now, where I can really go in and and read all of the different um, nuances in between and and stuff like that. Um, so if if you've never read it, um. I highly recommend it. I'm not going to do too much because I know I had it, everyone else had it on their yeah. list as well. Excuse me. Adam, did you want to add anything? Sure. I'll, I'll add just a couple of things and then let uh, Joseph talk for a little bit. Good bit. I mean, it was, it was very – how intimidating 
of a, of a premise is this is that yeah. the entire earth can be invaded by these shape-shifting aliens and no one knows who's fucking real who's i mean it's like the thing it's, it's mm-hmm. like john carpenter's yeah. the thing yes but but put into the marvel universe and there's a whole bunch of fucking things um <laughs> and then it's it's you know they they have, have to find the um you know the queen was it Veronica? I think is her Veronica something like or that. something. I don't know how to yeah, something it. like that. It ends up being the Spider Woman. Um, and, and I didn't read a lot of the other tie-ins, but another one of my favorite characters, Deadpool. Uh, the first Daniel Way run was a was a tie-in to Secret Invasion, and he did. And, and I love that run, the Daniel Way run of the, for Deadpool, and that so that I read. I've read the main book, and then I've also read that just the um the dead the Deadpool Daniel Way stuff. So mm-hmm. um yeah, it's it's just it was so like unfathomable that that these aliens could could fuck up every goddamn hero like they did. Yeah. So he's like, I love your comparison to the thing because uh-huh. I, f- I feel like that's such a, a great metaphor for this series in the way that it it played with your feelings of paranoia and trust. Mm. Like mm-hmm. um, when it first came out, I was like, I think I have a pretty good idea of who's going to be a scroll. You know, anybody who's died. You know, uh, probably <laughs> Electra obviously gonna be a scroll. Hawkeye mm-hmm. probably. Spider Man turned out she she was a scroll. I was like, okay, she hasn't been around for a while, but uh, that doesn't surprise me. But then like that moment with Black Bolt and the Illuminati, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that changed everything, and yeah. uh, just ratcheted up the paranoia. Um, <laughs> and I love the way the series took existing continuity and subverted it. Kind of like making you see see what you read before in a whole new light. Like even going back as far as the Kree Scroll War, um, mm-hmm. it, it referenced, and I, I thought that was great. I love stories that can take things that you've read before and grant you a new perspective. And one of the things they did actually with the um, all the trade paperbacks that were involved with this, um, if they drew from one of those old stories, like one of those old Fantastic Four stories, they mm-hmm. actually would put that in the book. Oh, really? Yeah, so they would okay. they would have the main story of whatever character it was, and then at the end they would have the related like old story from the fifty or sixties or whatever yeah. um, in the back of the book. I love the way this series also upgraded the the Super Scrolls. I remember that because yeah. mm-hmm. the Super Scrolls always just had the powers of the Fantastic Four because they were their primary uh, Scroll antagonists. Um, yeah. But th- and then they just gave them like you know everybody's powers, <laughs> pretty yeah. much. It, uh, it really great. makes me wonder what they're gonna do with this TV series because everyone I think was pretty surprised at how they ended up treating the scrolls in the Captain Marvel movie. Yes. And yeah, that sucked. <laughs> it, yes, yes, it did suck. <laughs> and so now I, you know, we gotta kind of have to wonder like what are they doing? I'm I'm wondering if maybe the people that we met in Captain Marvel are not. Um, yeah, representative, representative yeah, yeah of the actual scroll uh kingdom or whatever you want to call them um and and maybe they need their they will end up needing their help to circumvent the secret invasion um, and they're doing it as a tv series so i'm really interested to see how they're going to do it although that means we're going to essentially get about three hours well anywhere from three to six hours of yeah. stuff so. yeah that makes sense for me because you know it, it's a it's a big story, so it is. Mm-hmm. The fact that and keep... by the way, if you, if you want to feel lazy, I think my son is about three quarters of the way through the whole thing. Oh, the whole okay, all the tie-ins. He started after through. I read it. He started reading <laughs> them, and he's he's about three quarters of the way. He's he's stopped in the last few months just to do other things, especially with yeah. school starting. But uh, yeah, um, school's not important. Comics are important, <laughs> John. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. It, well. It's cool that Monica Rambo is going to be in the Secret Invasion series. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, even though you know she didn't 
she wasn't involved in in the comics, the fact that they're trying to get into the Captain Marvel movie, yeah, might, yeah. Might I'm play well. I'm okay. I'm okay personally, and we're kind of getting off topic here, which I knew we would, which was fine. Um, I'm okay with them never with them not ever going exactly the way that the books go, as long as they kind of give me the heart of what the whatever the story yeah. is that they're trying to do, mm-hmm. because they've introduced different characters at this point, and so you got to go with the world that you've built. And so you're incorporating an existing story into the world you're built. Some things are going to change, and I accept that, and I'm fine with that, as, as long as they do it in a way that still, to me, is gets to the heart of what the original story was. It will be hard to get that same impact from the books, though, if you don't have uh, any... Like, I feel like it needs a lot of cameos, the Secret Invasion mm-hmm. television series. It needs to have a lot of cameos from the film actors, I think, in order to... <sighs> to have that to shock it, to it give give it and give it credibility yeah right yeah. as a story um which is which is really pissed me off about uh agents of shield because i really felt yeah. like there should have been more cameos in that than we actually got yes yes well uh, kevin feige never gave it the love that it deserved no yeah. and he surprisingly he never really gave the uh the netflix stuff the love yeah. that they deserved either yeah yeah, yeah. so but all right we're gonna get way too off. <laughs> let's, let's keep this moving. Uh, where are we? Number four. I think, we're on I think Adam's number, number four. four. Yeah, yeah number four. Another one that has been mentioned before. Um, I think it was John's number seven, or maybe it was Joseph's number something, number ten. I can't remember. I think it was on all three of ours, and that's House of M. It was my number seven. Yeah, it wasn't uh, on Joseph's list. It was not Joseph's list. No. All right, well, fuck Joseph. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it came out in what two thousand and five, and you know. Watching WandaVision, you know, there's all there's there's a some tie-in, obviously. Yeah, with, there's with elements of, of it. Elements yeah. of it, exactly. But the all the all the stuff that House of M kind of created that that led you know down the path of of Avengers and X Men down the line was like a decade of fucking storylines kind of built off of House of M. It felt like mm-hmm. um, really interesting. Obviously, Scarlet Witch basically creating a new reality. Um, but it, it, uh, what I really liked was, you know, reading it through and kind of finding out what each, you know, you know, you know, all these characters and you're finding out what the hell are these characters doing in this world? You know, <laughs> like there, there's some slightly different stuff going on. Um, but you know, this was such a massive moment in Marvel stories and it kind of added again, uh, to me, it brought back one of those essential elements of, of X-Men that you had early on, obviously that tied into the civil rights movement. Um, and it kind of brought back that one of the essential, most essential things for X-Men, which is fear of mutants and mm. fear of the, the weird and the non-normal. And like after Scarlet, Witch did that kind of shit. And, and I know there's, she's not really just a mutant. She's also got magic powers, but whatever, but really this to me set off more of like the, because no more mutants was what the end of it really was or what like like the last second to last book like that yeah. was basically like a oh fuck this is this is going to change the x-men and this is going to change mutant kind that was yeah. crazy i did think it was a little bit of a of a cop out when they were like oh you know mutants are gone but not these 198 of all the yeah. mutants <laughs> that you love like i wanted to see some mutants that i truly cared about Lose Not the their important powers ones, and then have to deal with that. But we didn't see too well, much of that. <laughs> to to this was this I think was a bit of a way, very similar to like Avengers. X Men has had grown into so many fucking characters and so many different factions that it was just like, 
All right, we've got to simplify this. We've got to tone this shit down. All right, what are we going to do? Fucking Scarlet Witch just eliminates them. She gets rid of their powers. Jubilee, fuck her. Make her a vampire later, which uh, that certainly that storyline did not make any of my, I think, our lists, if I had to guess the uh, the vampire Marvel storyline. No, no. But but I think it was a way for them to kind of, all right, we need to clear the slate a little because shit got way out of hand with how many different characters and how many different stuff they had. Well, the reason that they got rid of the mutants in the comic books was because they didn't want to give new characters to Fox because Fox automatically owned oh. the film rights to any new mutant <laughs> character that was introduced in the comics. Oh, it's politically driven or financially driven. <laughs> that being Love said, it. they did have some really cool uh creative stories that came out of it such as you know uh schism everything with cyclops and the whole leading up through the uh x-men versus inhumans fight and and Mm x-men versus avengers um yeah it was hugely influential and i i I do think that they got some really great stories out of it despite the fact that it was all you know money-based yeah (laughs) (laughs) um oddly enough i ended up I've found myself at a couple times, I've read stories out of order. I ended up reading House of M after I read Avengers vs. X-Men. Oh, okay. Which is backwards. And I remember I actually read um, Hawkeye first, and then I went back and read Young Avengers. Oh. Where we first start meeting uh, uh, Kate Bishop. So I have a bad habit of reading things in the wrong wrong order. (laughs) Plus, I was, like I said, in the last year, I'd just been on a big bender of trying to catch up on all these old stories that I had missed. And mm-hmm. so I hadn't necessarily gone through and and um, looked at how I should read in order. I mean, first of all, if you say, well, if, if I read this one, I need to read this one. I can keep saying that until I end up way back in Timely Comics, yeah. and I don't have fucking time for that <laughs> shit. So I would I just it was like I picked Secret Invasion and then you hear about things that happened before that and they're like all right I jumped before so I was always I can't I was constantly jumping backwards in time yeah but at least I got it read and that's all I'm gonna say about that yeah Secret Invasion was preceded by Civil War and then it immediately went into Dark Reign and those you know mm-hmm. that was that was just a great era for Marvel I think they had a lot of good quality stuff there so but yeah you can't read everything yeah all right I, I don't even know where we are. Uh, I just finished my four, yep. so okay. on to Joseph's Joseph. four. I'm on my number four. Uh, my number four is the 2015 nine-issue series that had a whole bunch of tie-ins. It was Secret Wars. Okay. I have not read any of that. Yeah, yeah I haven't either. I haven't read the original Secret Wars or the newer yeah. one. Yeah there, are, yeah, there were multiple series called Secret Wars, but the one that I'm specifically referencing is the most recent one that happened about five years ago. Um, I thought it was an amazing story epic it had just so many years of setup i think was what impressed me the most because when hickman started writing for fantastic four back in i think like 2010 or something like that he started planting seeds for this story so he was playing the long game and 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 the build-up like we had no idea what some of the stuff was building up to like there was the the three arc in fantastic four which saw the human torch die there was avengers world there was time runs out which saw like the illuminati start destroying all these other universes because they were uh incurring with ours and and uh, blowing up essentially the multiverse was being destroyed we saw the return of thanos and and the introduction of the black order with uh the infinity arc and all of that was just all in lead up to this big event which is the secret wars and that and that saw the world recreated the multiverse recreated as one planet called Ooh. battle world which i thought was a really clever way of of harkening back to the original secret war storyline uh where the beyonder uh, created yeah. battle world yep. but this battle world was was comprised of 
like the ultimate universe and then you had some of like days of future past here and they had age of apocalypse here and so it was just this patchwork planet that was ruled over by dr doom and the way all those characters interacted with each other it it, it was it was amazing and, and the way it all came to an end i i won't spoil it uh it was it, it reintroduced the multiverse mm-hmm. again but in, in a really uh exciting way for me i think okay now, in the original Secret Wars is where Spider-Man got his black suit. Yes. Did they kind of have any homage to that at all in this one? No, uh, they didn't uh, do that, but they did uh, have uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man and Miles Morales Spider-Man team up because nice. it was the melding of the Ultimate Universe and the Primary okay. Universe. And so you had the two Spider-Man. Miles Morales wears a black suit, so I guess yeah. you could kind of say it was similar sure. in that regard. But uh, the end confrontation between Doctor Doom and Thanos alone, god, god damn, that was so good. <laughs> I highly recommend it if you haven't read it. Cool. Uh, yeah, I have not, but that, that definitely has intrigued me. Yeah, same. Uh, all right, uh, up to number three. And um, I just realized, Adam, I told you I had this one higher I think they're technically two different stories, but they're continuations of the same story. I think that's why I initially said higher. Uh, But my number three is Messiah War, which was directly related to Messiah Complex. So I think I kind of put them together in my head. Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 Messiah War was a totally different book. Um, Yeah. Or a totally different, like, set. Uh, So yeah, yeah, yeah. Messiah War is uh, kind of the the culmination after Complex. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, I'm do you, I'm assuming Joseph you don't have either of those, not on my list. No. Okay, Adam, why don't you go ahead and start? To, just sure. Go ahead and talk about complex. So complex, uh, which was my number seven, was um, so after after the House of M, you know, there were no more mutants for a while, and then there was the birth of this first child uh, with the X gene. Um, since uh, you know it's called the decimation or whatever, like the, the you know killing off of all or like re- removing all of the X, uh, the, the mutants besides those one. Oh nine or whatever. One ninety eight. Yeah. <laughs> One eight. Yeah, whatever it was. Um, so it sparked a race of the X Men, the Marauders, the Acolytes, the Reavers, the Purifiers, and Predator X to see you know and and get get this first child because there was something special about it. And you know, there's a lot of you know what I, what I like about this this thing. It, it's great art also yes. in this book. Um, I really really did like that. And um, you know, yeah, you're getting some of that that. Back to the the mutant roots of, or the X Men roots of, you know, the hate of mutants and that kind of stuff. Um, and this really it sets up, it sets up Cable as probably the great, you know greatest father figure in all of Marvel <laughs> comics, in my opinion. Where he start this is where he starts off his journey to kind of take and protect the baby that he names Hope. Um, you know, he names him names it Hope Summers, and he's starting off on that journey. And this is also the book that. Then shifts Bishop, who was an awesome, super cool, you love Bishop. And particularly, I know all of us enjoyed the X-Men animated series. And from that time in like that that 80s and 90s where Bishop was a cool, mullet-toting, time-traveling <laughs> badass, this shifted him into a fucking villain. He was and it a, was like, whoa. He was the bad guy because he thought Hope was going to yeah. be the one that would bring about his, his apocalyptic future. Exactly. So this started that. And then... Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really just kind of a big shift into, whoa, what the fuck is going on? And then Messiah War is where uh, kind of you get more of the culmination of that kind of stuff. So yeah. I'll just transition into to that for you, John. Yeah. And then so 
you know, uh, Cable and Hope are kind of time traveling and stuff like that. And Cyclops sends uh, X Force in the future after them, mm-hmm. um, and then I think it's something like uh, Strife. Yeah, Strife. Yeah, Strife yeah, the is clone. the uh, yeah. the clone. The, of, yeah, the um, clone of Cable, um, yeah. and he has an alliance with Bishop that kind of gets him, you know, mm-hmm. doing all this, and it's a lot of them like just uh, trying to evade Bishop. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it really does turn Bishop into someone that you rooted for for so long, and now he wants to fucking kill a kid, and it's just like because because he came from a very apocalyptic timeline, and he believes into his whole hardest that hope is what's going to create that, and so he's yeah. like, I got to kill this baby. Yeah. The problem <laughs> yeah. with Bishop is that he believes everybody is the fucking one. <laughs> like he went after Gambit, you know, he like, and he's always wrong. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just it kind of pisses me off. Like so, some part of me really wants hope to be the one that uh, you mm. know brings apart this apocalypse just to you know uh, make Bishop Bishop right for once. Yeah, yeah. Well, and to bring this back around, hope at the end of X Men ver- Avengers versus X Men essentially ab- takes in absorbs the Phoenix Force, the whole Phoenix yeah. Force. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't remember if she becomes well, the new Phoenix or if they give her a new name. She distributes the power among the world to restore okay. the mutant powers, but she does still harness some of it inside of her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Marvel, I will say, Marvel does a great job of really integrating stories from from the past, even far yeah. in, into the past, into new stuff. And, and honestly, something that DC doesn't do because every fucking 10 to 15 years they reboot their shit. <laughs> and, and it's just like I, uh, I I can't stand that shit. It's yeah. like if you're going to if you're going to create a world, fucking live in the world. Yeah. Live yeah. in the world that you've created and apply by the rules that you created and don't just say, "Well, we're going to call a mulligan and start over." Yeah. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. well, just I know keep going. Jonathan has a hard time when it comes to the DC characters when he's doing any given bio. He yeah. has to do it three times. Well, here's the new 52. Uh, here's the rebirth. Post-crisis. Post-flashpoint. Post-rebirth. You know, I know it gets frustrating for him, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank God That's Marvel funny. doesn't John, do too much. Uh, yeah, thank God. Um, but John, yeah, you're like... Yeah, but, so I can totally see why we kind of tied in those Messiah because they are... Just in twi- one is one's the continuation, really, of yeah. the other story. Yeah. So. All right, um, Adam, what is your number three? My number three is from my favorite character of all fucking time, uh, and this is a two book little arc from the uh, Joe Kelly uh, and Ed McGinnis drawn early run, one of like the first actual um, monthly series from Deadpool. And this is, or, you know, continuously running, not non, non, um, you know, limited series version, uh, but it is called, it's called the payback series, but it's actually, I kind of call it the, the, the Ajax storyline. Okay. Um, where, where's actually, Francis? Use, he, exactly. Francis. A lot of people know him from the first Deadpool movie, but I was first introduced to Ajax from this two story arc, which actually kind of, uh, you know, it spanned more than just the two, in my opinion, because it was really about this Dr. Killebrew, who was really the, who was the doctor who made Deadpool Deadpool. And Ajax was the enforcer for Dr. Killebrew. And in the movie, they kind of just made Ajax the guy who fucked up Deadpool and kind of created Deadpool. But there was this actual doctor who did it. Um, and I would say in these two series runs, you get a lot 
of this haunted past with Deadpool. And that's one of the things I really liked about the character is that he knows, I mean, another, well, there's a bajillion characters who have amnesia (laughs) and don't really remember their past and whatnot, and they're trying to figure it out. But, you know, Deadpool's mine. (laughs) He's, He's the guy that I like who has that. And you're trying to, you're kind of learning with him some of his past. And you're also just seeing the emotion and the revenge, like the hatred that he's got for this Ajax character who came back as a, um, he was very like cybernetic enhanced character, but uh, Ajax ends up killing Dr. Killebrew and then Deadpool ends up killing Ajax. Um, It is, it's a very short, uh, two books, but it really gave me a lot of the backstory and just made me far more interested in the character. And it has been obviously one of my favorites that made me, just kind of want to continue and love this character of Deadpool. Like a short mini rant. I, I was buying at one point every book that Deadpool was in. Mm. And he, if he was starting to do, um, you know, uh, a cameo in one book or whatever, he was like doing, like he was in like red Hulk for this. He was in, you know, whatever for that, I would buy it to get Deadpool. And then like, you know, with some of the Daniel Way run and whatnot, Deadpool blew the fuck up. <laughs> and he started having, like, literally, like, five books at once. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was starting to collect them, and then I was just like, I can't keep up. <laughs> also, partly because other other people couldn't write Deadpool properly. And he became a fucking shadow of what he was, in my opinion, because he was spread all over the place. And not just – people can't write him properly. But Joe Kelly gave so much depth to the Deadpool character that I had to include some little bit of that run for me. Um, and for me, it's, it's the, uh, the Ajax bit. So I fucking love it. That was the arc where we find out how he got his name, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause they weren't, they were not expecting him to survive. They, he was from like uh, the group of like the rejects yeah. from this project who were, who were going to fucking fail, you know, from the Deadpool of the group um, is kind of whatever they called it. And yeah. That's, that's exactly how he got his name. I'll be honest. I haven't, actually read maybe more than a two or three issues of Deadpool solo series. Uh, I know I read a few issues from, I don't know if it was Joe Kelly's run, but I know that Ed McGinnis was the artist. Uh, it was like back then, in 97. Then, yeah, Ed McGinnis ended up leaving. Yeah, that was that was the Joe Kelly run. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, I did read yeah. Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, which I fucking loved. Yeah, that one is interesting. It's uh, quirky. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it's. I didn't. I didn't love it. Like a lot of people said. You know, this. I read some reviews before I read it, which I think ended up hurting my love of it. Yeah. Um, but it is still good. It's interesting. I mean, it's definitely different. Yeah, <laughs> I love how like his motivation for just killing everybody was because yeah. he realizes that he's a comic book character and that none yeah. of this has any meaning because it's just for entertainment. <laughs> so, I thought yep. it was good. And yeah. then he kills the creators. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's very cool. All right, Joseph, what is your number three? My number three has been mentioned before uh, by one of you. I can't remember if it was both. Um, came out in 2006. It was Civil War. I think it was mentioned was... by both of us, right? Yeah, I had okay. mentioned it. Yeah. Yep. yeah. This is my number three. Um, it was more, more than the actual story, which I, I think is really well done. It has some great action and some amazing art. Uh, the story was fine, but what I love more about this particular story was how it raised political and ethical questions uh, mm-hmm. in regards to superheroics. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it, it asked, is the peace of mind of the whole worth sacrificing the freedom of a few and, uh, and 
you know, things that you think about when reading comics, like who would hold superpowered individuals accountable and to what extent are governments trustworthy, things like that. I, I just loved how it seemed to get beyond just uh, two people punching each other uh, and, mm-hmm. and got into some, some heavy handed questions. Fucking Nitro. That piece of shit just had to blow up, and he had to, he had to kill, like, 600 people Ugh. in, what, Stanford. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, piece of shit. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, he got his, though. He definitely got his by penance. Yeah. <laughs> now, oh, yeah, I would say with exactly the penance, uh, or Speedball. Speedball becomes penance, right. and that's, like, a... What a weird kind of emo <laughs> yeah, goth thing. Got dark. That <laughs> I'm glad he went back to being Speedball, because that was just... Yeah. It was like, yeah. bruh. <laughs> yeah. Take it down. But you're right. I, I, you got to appreciate that it's it's diving exactly into the Superhero Registration Act um, to things that, like, you know, expectations of Captain America is all-American and he, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll just follow suit in whatever, however the USA believes. But, no, he believes in, you know what? He believes in fucking freedom. Yep. And freedom <laughs> is not putting yourself on the Superhero Registration Act. Um, and I would say the movie... The movie kind of felt, to me, it made it, it, you lean towards Captain America, like, a lot more in the movie. But I think the book, I think, did a little bit better job of making it, like, a one, you know, like, both sides are valid. Um, yeah, it was like a debate. They they both yeah, presented a legit valid debate. options, and it was hard to know yeah. who you, at one point you side with Iron Man, you know, in the next issue yeah. you side with Captain America. It, I, th- I thought that was really great how it pr- provided both sides of that perspective. Um, and, uh... I had something brilliant to say, and I completely forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that life of a podcaster, man. Yep, yep. <laughs> you've got this one golden nugget, and then like one thought <laughs> derails you completely. Yeah, yeah. but uh, like at the end of the book, ultimately, Captain America realizes that at the end of the day, it's really not about the heroes; it's all about the people that they're trying to protect. And as they're, he's fighting against Iron Man, and it, the city comes crashing down. And he sees that despite the fact that he's trying to fight for this cause that he believes in, he's essentially proving Iron Man's point in that they need to be held accountable because look at what the fuck's happening. Um, yeah, I just thought it was really well written. Some of Mark Miller's best work. I'm not a huge fan of Mark Miller's work as a whole, but I thought he did a great job with this story. All right. Uh, number two. Uh, my number two is technically uh higher from adam Mm -hmm. uh you picked out a specific story from cable and deadpool and you picked out 50 books and i just picked out the whole fucking thing (laughs) you can't do that (laughs) a 50 book run and john's like yeah fucking all of it but fair enough it's a really good run it is and and part of that reason is because it was the first time i actually kind of followed a comic book run from beginning to end um i actually i actually didn't start at one i didn't find out i think it was about like issue 15 that i found out about it then i got um i got it uh i got it somehow i think through marvel's website where they just sent me the issues instead of me having to go to a comic book store Mm. so i just got the new issues and i went to the comic book stores to find all the back issues that i had missed caught myself up and then just read it um continuously and actually my wife loved it too i would read the issue then i would hand it to her and she would read it and we i could not wait and actually after we got done with the run i was like what do i do now <laughs> yeah because it was john and i 
or go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. I was say, uh, sorry, John and I have always said that the Cable and Deadpool run is one of our absolute favorite. Um, just Deadpool anything's. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, I, I think they pass it by. Um, I don't know why, but I don't feel like it gets the love that it deserves because it is it's it's incredibly well written and it, and it writes Deadpool properly and it also like it creates one of the best bromances in yeah. Marvel comedy in Marvel comics, which is Cable and Deadpool. Um, it also Bob Agent of Hydra became from fucking Cable and Deadpool. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, which is a yeah, yeah. which is a I mean a fun little thing that people probably saw from the Deadpool movie. Um, but like, yeah, this was. This was a this was one of my favorite runs as well. It came right after the Joe Kelly run. Mm-hmm. Um, so what it kind of started off with that series is Cable and Deadpool end up kind of having this. I can't remember what the hell it is, but they get kind of bonded to where anytime Cable body slides, uh, Deadpool goes with him, and so they have like this u- unique kind of like thing where they're always around each other. But what they did, so I'm talking a little bit more about the whole, and then I'll dive into the last seven book run that I specifically picked out. One of my another one of my favorite arcs, I guess my, maybe you can call my second favorite arcs, is they they had a, a murder mystery in on um, oh my god uh, I can't even remember there was a specific island that the, the, these these Marvel characters love creating islands <laughs> yeah. where it's just, <laughs> just yeah, whether it's like, or if it's like a planet of Genosha whether it's fucking Utopia uh, whether it's uh, Providence I think is what uh, this one was called but there was a murder that happened and it was supposed to be like this utopia utopian area. Uh, that that cable kind of created, and so they were doing this whole murder mystery, and Deadpool was helping out trying to figure it out. And then eventually, by the end of like I think the two or three book series or this little run, they all kind of realized the only person who could have committed the murder was Deadpool. <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, I fucking did it." And it was just like, <laughs> I love that because that's great. Deadpool, Deadpool's such a fucking like he's not he's not a good guy. He's really not. He kind of wants to be, but he's a fucking murdering asshole. Yeah. And like, he's got he's got an itch to kill, and like, he he did that. And so, it's it's all it's all really really well done. And, and getting that relationship between him and Cable is a lot of fun. It also ties in a lot of the Agency X stuff that nobody knows about. Oh, I loved um, that stuff. Yes, exactly. And that came a lot later in the book, some of that series, um, where there was they were trying to tie in this. It's kind of you thought he was a clone of Deadpool at some point called Agent X. Um, and then it got really kind of crazy at one point where he became super fat, which I actually really liked that that little <laughs> yeah. bit. Like it's awesome. And he had his own like a mercenary um, you know, for hire kind of thing. Yeah. I thought Agent uh, X so was talk- a was I think Agent X was a clone of Cable. Was he not? No, 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 no. Oh. He, he he looks a lot like Deadpool and, Deadpool. and acts a lot like Deadpool, okay. but he's not. He's totally someone else. Huh. Alex, whatever. I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, so the books that I'm po- talking about was actually... The, so the last seven books of this run... So at this point, Messiah Complex happened, and Cable had hope, and he was off throughout time, and he wasn't... He They basically wrote him off of his own goddamn series. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he started doing something bigger... And Deadpool was like left alone in with the Cable and Deadpool books, being like, "What the fuck do I do now?" Um, so you get this this last little bit of the run. It's Deadpool, his buddy Weasel, and Bob, agent of Hydra, end up kind of going through different spots of time, causing there's some fucking mayhem that happens. They fight Nazis aside oh. alongside Captain America and Bucky. And Bucky, one of my favorites, Bucky is like this foul mouth motherfucker. Like he is just spouting out terrible, <laughs> terrible shit like the entire time. I love it. Um, 
And they also tied in, uh, they brought back the character of T-Ray, who T-Ray was supposed to be kind of set up that Joe Kelly set up uh, him as his main antagonist from that first kind of run. And they brought him back. They kind of gave a little closure to that series, which I liked a lot. It's kind of needed because it didn't have any closure from the original uh, Joe Kelly run of, of Deadpool. So that made me happy. Um, and then also then they unleashed uh, symbiotes that had bonded with dinosaurs into the time. And so you had like venom source, right? Like shit that just, it shit just went amuck and Deadpool had to clean it up. And so I, I had, a, I had a really good time. That was the last seven books, but like that entire 50 book run, I've read it all mm-hmm. is phenomenal. And to, to answer your question about how, t- how it was that Deadpool um, was time traveling with cable was uh-huh. because at one point cable had to absorb Deadpool which ended up mixing their DNA, and then he had to vomit Deadpool out uh, <laughs> and let Deadpool recreate himself from that. And that's how they ended up with mixed DNA so, and then being able to so both teleport. A, a lot of humor, there is but also so a lot much of humor. fun stuff. Yeah, it's really good. I, I think the problem w- uh, that I run into with my podcast uh, when I have to go back and kind of cherry-pick issues just for context in, in the research that I'm doing is that I have read like a single issue because I do remember reading an issue of uh, Deadpool with Bob the Hydra agent mm-hmm. but I don't think I didn't know that it was C- Cable and Deadpool because Cable never showed up I, sometimes I can't even remember what I'm reading but that yeah, that book was fucking hilarious I really got to go back and read that whole thing nope. cool. last seven issues you said? Uh, yeah last seven issues was uh, basically just Deadpool with Weasel and, De- and uh, Agent of Hydra yeah yep. right. or Bob yep. so it's really good it's just, yeah, it's just funny as shit so. Uh, all right, Adam, you're number two. Okay, uh, my number two. I think Joseph had it lower on his list. Um, I think. Maybe not. Maybe no one's mentioned this yet. And, well, John, we both talked about the third of this trilogy, but none of us have mentioned the first of this trilogy, and that's Infinity Gauntlet. Higher on my list. Okay, fair enough. And my number two is Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, we'll, so we'll th- I guess let's go ahead and talk about it because we're swinging around back around to my number one. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's a perfect yeah. little line. Should we yeah. get into our honorable mentions before number one? We'll, or we'll do that at the end, okay. just in case, just in case yeah, someone case. else's things are mentioned. So okay. Uh, um, yeah, Infinity Gauntlet again. Jim Starlin, the one who created. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a I had a big idea that if. If this, if this was not everyone's number one, it was definitely in everyone's top three. Yeah, um, and it was. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm not at all surprised to see it uh, make everyone else's uh, number two. Um, I'm pretty sure, Adam, you were the one who got me to read this. Uh, well, because I think both of us had only really read Infinity Crusade, and then I eventually got Infinity Gauntlet, and I was like, yeah, we got to fucking read this, because it was, it was that good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jim Starlin's writing really holds up. Um, in a way that a lot of the books from like the 70s and 80s really don't. It, it's fucking mm-hmm. poetry, the way he writes mm-hmm. Thanos' dialogue and the way he describes, you know, the, just the whole universe going to shit, pretty much. Uh, yeah. I, I think there, yeah. there, there's a legit reason why Marvel centered their entire cinematic universe around this, like, basically this story. I mean, obviously changed to, to quite a bit, yeah. but this being like the culmination of all of it. It's that important. It's that good. It's the definition yeah. of epic, I think. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. just half, you know, half the universe fucking dies. Like, in what other <laughs> story are you going to read where something like that happens? Thanos, he was just the most 
ultimate threat ever with that Infinity Gauntlet. And, uh, yeah. and it, the thing, one of the things, I mean, not to say you condone it, no. I mean, they did a, a great job in, in the films as well, but he's doing it for fucking love, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was something that which they kind of passed over in the movies. Which is different. Man. It's some. It's something different. It's not just like I want to take over the world for power. He's like, no, I want to show you how fucking awesome I am, so you can maybe give me some attention. Yeah, like I, I, that's. It's interesting. Yeah, and I love how Death just couldn't give a shit. Yeah, she did. No. She's like, eh, not impressed. It's like, what is it? What does that guy got to do? Yeah. Um, I. I was when you know when Infinity War or uh, when uh, the movie Infinity War came out, we all kind of wondered, you know, are they going to do the death? storyline I, mm. I think initially i was a little disappointed but ultimately i think i'm glad they didn't yeah um, i think i'm glad they went with what they went with as far as for their story which is fine that we can have different story storylines you know in the movies than we have from from the comics because in the comics you can just you can go ape shit and get some really weird stuff that just don't make sense in a movie yeah well i remember when ragnarok came out and kate blanchett was cast as uh hella I thought they were mm-hmm. going to make her the goddess of death that Thanos loves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was a a good. That was I I had heard similar similar um, like fan theories, and I was like, yes, yeah. yes, it look it did look like they were kind of setting that up. Yeah. But, but I, I'm glad they kind of tossed that aside because I also like his motivate motivations uh, within the movies. Uh, I agree. Yeah, that went really well. But um, in in regards to the, to the comic book series again, I, I really love that that battle out in space mm-hmm. where they all the heroes joined together and they just it was they just fucking all died like you saw most of your yeah. favorite heroes just get fucking murdered <laughs> and you saw you saw iron man's head and helmet yes apart from his fucking body <laughs> yes it was yeah he fucking decapitated he bashed in with a rock and uh like freaking spider-man gets smashed captain america well, I, smashed wolverine yeah. his bones are like rubber and it was nuts yeah and it, and it it did it kind of introduced me to some of those huge cosmic entities. Oh yeah, like uh, Eternity and Oblivion and Ego and some of that stuff. Where basically it's just like Thanos is like fucking bring it on, yeah. motherfuckers, and <laughs> they they ain't shit. I mean, just and speaking of that, like I, I gotta mention uh, just some iconic art and some iconic the cover art. There's there's one of the books is literally just Thanos standing there with like a come and get me, and like yeah. that is like fucking. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, freaking George Perez, he mm-hmm. really knows ha- knows how to add detail to his art and everything like that, and and and, and how mm-hmm. to pose his characters and how to make them all look unique. Sometimes when you when you're dealing with a series where they have to draw a lot of different characters, they start kind of looking a little bit cookie cutter because that's how the artist just draws. But yeah. George Perez is is a master of his craft. Now, now to play a little bit of devil's advocate. They have the whole nebula uh, stuff on here, where she ends up getting the gauntlet at one point, yeah. and then he has to trick her. That that wasn't my favorite moments of the book. I'm not gonna lie, but like some of those big epic moments, as you mentioned, like of the uh, the whole big battle against Thanos or the big cosmic entities, like that was the stuff I remember most. Like having some of the, you know, his his quote unquote daughter nebula um, and that kind of stuff. I was just kind of like. I was somewhat met on, but overall, that doesn't stop me from putting it at my number two because it's that fucking good. Mm-hmm. It it did kind of resolve with somewhat of a whimper, uh, mm-hmm. where, but it was it was also poetic, um, in how Thanos just went to being a farmer, you know. Yeah. And Adam Warlock decided True. to keep him alive just uh, because 
reasons. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. he's compassionate. He's a hero. Heroes don't kill like that. Yeah. Yep. So let me ask you guys: Do you think we're actually going to get uh, Adam Warlock in the next Guardians movie, or do you think that that was just a setup that is never going to be paid off? I think we will. I hope. I hope. I, hope so. I really hope so. Uh, all right, Adam. I think we're on to your number one then. Yeah, yeah. That kind of comes back around. <laughs> um, this is not uh, not been mentioned. Well, we have danced around this series. To me, this was an arc that was at like the height of my comic book buying and reading time, uh, right in two- 2010. And we kind of talked a little bit about the importance of this character who is Hope Summers with the start of House of M and then Messiah Complex and Messiah War. And they used it even afterwards, um, uh, uh, Avengers vs. X-Men. Mm-hmm. But this is the series called X-Men Second Coming where Cable brings her back to the correct like timeline. It was a 12 book, I think 12 or 13 book arc um, for the X-Men. And it blew me away. It, it is one of the only comic books that made me cry. Like I'm legitimate. I was legitimately crying as I was reading it. Not once fucking twice. Oh, because of Cable's sacrifice. Yes. And then before that, in about halfway through the books, Nightcrawler dies because he was he's he, Nightcrawler died protecting hope and then again I cried again at uh when Cable sacrificed himself to bring um uh to bring uh the X-Force and other people back from a timeline to to help get stuff. It was just like it was so beautifully done. It hit me at the absolute right time for my comic book reading experience and it also felt like such a huge moment because things that have been set up years before and all this other stuff cable had been gone protecting this this one little baby for fucking years and then it it came back and like you know because hope comes back obviously like some of these the purifiers bastion and graden creed and the sentinels nimrod all them are coming to like fucking attack this goddamn mutant because they're fuck fuck mutants is kind of their entire (laughs) thing we don't like you you don't look like me or act like me or whatever um and i'm like fuck those people but yeah, because of some of the important deaths and just how it was, just everything, man. It it just to me, it just came at the right spot that I just I I literally legitimately remember. I haven't had that time where a book hit me so hard, and this one really did. So uh, I actually haven't read it. Okay, I high. I mean, for someone you put Infinity or sorry Messiah uh, War so high, yeah. I highly, highly recommend because this is this is what kind of came next for the X Men. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, it was definitely more emotional than Messiah Complex, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I I think I enjoyed Messiah Complex just a little bit more because of the the Bishop angle and the the yeah. whole like tension around there. But but yeah, this was fantastic. Um, I, I've noticed you you put a lot of X Men books up up on your list and it, I, <laughs> i'm not surprised i did <laughs> uh, that's uh, and that's what it came to i just i i hadn't read a lot of stuff uh-huh. as much as i thought i knew the thing is i know what some of the stuff happens with a lot of these marvel storylines but when it came down to what i have actually read and i'm quote unquote i feel i'm an authority on it's yep. more x-men and large stuff than than it, it probably i need i need to expand my horizons i'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. no i mean no that's not i wasn't meaning to disparage your no, list. No, you shat on me. You, st- <laughs> you called me out and you said, Adam, you're a fucker who only reads no, X-Men no, no, no. and you're a piece of shit. I heard that. You said that. What I was saying was that 
So my the highest uh, X-Men arc that I put on my list was Dark Phoenix Saga, you know, which mm-hmm. was decades ago. But uh, it, it just it's just a testament to show that, you know, even though the Avengers and the MCU have been killing it in the movies and, and the X-Men movies have kind of been uh, pushed aside just because of Marvel and Fox owning the rights and stuff like that, there have still been so many tremendous X-Men books to come out. And while mm. some people may feel they're not as relevant now as the rest of the Marvel Universe because of the films, they're wrong. X-Men are always relevant. Uh, I have actually yet to read the uh, the, the new X-Men uh, arc involving uh, Krakoa. I haven't then, either, mm-hmm. but I, I bought the uh, I bought the the trade when it when it first came out because uh, the guy at my local store said it's worth a read. And he said it was super good. Yeah, cool. Yeah, X Men, fantastic. They're a universe unto their own, and yeah, they, mm-hmm. you know, we this could have been a top ten X Men storylines <laughs> <laughs> podcast as opposed to Marvel, and it still would it still would have been just as viable. Yep. So uh, that leaves Joseph with your number one. I hope you guys have heard of this one. Um, so let me go into the backstory about how this series came to be, and, and um, <clears throat> just to lead you guys in, I, John, I know you've read Kingdom Come, mm-hmm. uh, and that was drawn by Alex Ross, who also did Marvels. Mm-hmm. It was one of Alex Ross's uh, early works uh, for DC. I borrowed your brother's copy of Kingdom Come yeah. and ran it and, and read it while uh, we were all working together. Yeah, I think that made that made your top ten DC storylines, didn't it? Yeah, it did. When we did yes, that. It did. Yeah. Fantastic book. So uh, at around the time, uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, Wizard Magazine, which was the premier like comic book-related magazine at the time, they commissioned oh, yeah. Alex Ross to do artwork in the similar vein of his character designs for Kingdom Come, which was these futuristic versions of DC characters. So he did that, and he started drawing futuristic versions of Marvel characters. And he was so intrigued by some of the designs that he created that he partnered up with a writer named Jim Kruger, who's not big in the industry, but a fantastic writer nonetheless. And they came together to build a story around these character designs. And the result of that was Marvel's version of Kingdom Come, Kingdom, of Kingdom Come Earth X. Uh, it's a 14-issue series, uh, and it basically details Marvel's future where... Machine Man becomes the new Watcher because he was blinded by Black Bolt who unleashed the Terrigen Mists on Earth to turn everyone inhuman. And Earth is just in chaos, but there's this new Red Skull who emerged who dresses like the Punisher, and he starts bringing order to everyone, but it's through mind control. So old Steve Rogers recruits a bunch of other old heroes like old Spider-Man, and and meanwhile the Celestials are coming to Earth because it turns out uh, that they planted an embryo within the planet, and that's why they manipulated life to have mutations and superpowers uh, on this planet, because superheroes essentially are, their purpose is to serve as antibodies to protect uh, the, the living organism that is planet Earth, you know? And so it, it basically gives the huge why behind the Marvel Universe and how they kind of rebel against this this concept, and they fight off the Celestials, uh, and they call in Galactus, and it's just an epic story uh, regarding these heroes past their prime, uh, finding out their their true purpose, and and culminating in in the hugest fight ever. Um, it's it's really well done. It's it's tragic and poignant, and and it's another one of those stories that makes you re look at previous stuff you've read in a new perspective because of the way it plays with existing continuity 
and uh, it's just really well done. If you guys haven't read Earth X, I highly recommend it. I know it had sequels like uh, Universe X and Paradise X. I never really got into those. But uh, Earth X is the equivalent, if not better, uh, of Kingdom Come for DC. Of course it's better. It's Marvel. Exactly. (laughs) Goes without saying. I don't know why I said it. (laughs) But yeah. Uh, Yeah, I've I've seen some of this art, but I I have not read it at all. I haven't either. But uh, I yeah, will add, definitely add it to the list. The interior art is not Alex Ross. He only did the covers. Oh. Uh, okay, yeah. This, this, I mean, the, I, I'm looking at the covers, and the, that's iconic Alex Ross style. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that 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 book will always, forever, will be my favorite uh, Marvel story. Awesome, awesome. Well, that brought us to the end of our list. Do we have? Do we want to do just a few honorable mentions real quick? Yeah. Before we wrap up, yeah. I'll go ahead and okay. start. Um, I just have a two couple that I'll throw in. Um, I recently read the newest sort of incarnations of West Coast Avengers, um, and had really a lot of fun reading that. Um, there, I think there's only ten issues in it, but it's a lot of fun because you have some quirky characters in there with Gwenpool, who was not at all what I thought she was <laughs> when I first started reading it. Um, yeah. yeah, but you got some America Chavez who's going to start showing up in some MCU stuff. So if you want to know about her. She's there. Kate Bishop is in there, and, and Hawkeye kind of related to the Hawkeye run. Um, the other one I'm going to recommend is the it's if you look at the the if you look at the book, it says Volume One, but it's really Volume Four, um, and it's Greg Pak's run of Alpha Flight. Love Greg Pak. Uh, I have not uh, read his Alpha Flight. I I got into this weird thing where I was really big on. Uh, on Alpha Flight, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I picked up this book, and it said Volume 1, and I kept waiting for Volume 2 to come out, and it never came out. <laughs> uh. um, and I think they kind of rebranded it as, as just the Volume 4 of the of sort of official one, because the, uh, the Alpha Flight Volume 1 is like the run from like the 80s. Right, by John yeah. Byrne, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wonder why they would call it Volume 1 then. That's so confusing. I, hate I don't that. know. I don't know if it was meant to be like the new Volume 1 of the new Alpha Flight or whatever it was. Either way, it was a great book, and I loved it. And um, I have not gone to find where I can find the continuation stories, um, but it is a super, super great book. So, Adam? Uh, I already mentioned a few of my honorable mentions, like the Thanos Imperative, um, Daredevil Yellow, and... Uh, I talked about Incognito and the Criminal series, which are from Icon, which is a subsidiary of, of Marvel, mm-hmm. so that counts in these kind of lists. Uh, even Kick Ass came from uh, on Icon mm-hmm. when it first came yep. out, and that was it's a good one. It's not it's not. I like Mark Miller, but yeah, it's not it's not a top ten for me. The first first um, run of Kick Ass was fantastic. The first, yeah, the yeah the first one it's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah, very good. But actually, I think I like the I think I like the movie better than I like the the, the first run of book personally it was a good okay. adaptation i think yeah 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 um but the two i mean hey i've already talked about x-men you've already called me Sorry. out on my no, shit no, no, for no. x-men <laughs> so no, please the two that i just want to throw out old man logan really good really fucking good as well as uh days of future past which a lot of people know but it's is it's not the exact same as like the uh, movie so mm-hmm. um so yeah so throwing those out yeah days of future past surprisingly is only two issues so uh, mm-hmm. if you haven't read it yet do it because it's great and it's quick. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what my wife said last night. It was great, <laughs> and it was quick. <laughs> uh, since <laughs> since John mentioned Greg Peck earlier, I'll start with that honorable mention. Uh, he wrote Planet Hulk 
and World War oh, okay. Hulk. Oh, very cool. Both of those story arcs are the best Hulk. Are they the best? I don't know. The Immortal Hulk is actually really good too. But I really liked Planet Hulk because of uh, the premise. You know, it was used for Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. He was jettisoned into space by the Illuminati, and it just the action was incredible. But it was also so fucking tragic. Oh my god, <laughs> so good. Um, Astonishing X Men, written by Joss Whedon. That first run I, called Gifted. I had that too. Shit, I should have said. I should have mentioned that. But yeah, that was one of my <laughs> other ones as well. That I do. That's a really good book. Really good. X-Men and story. also, I want to throw out the book that I bought includes like a. It was called an, like an animated comic, but actually it looks really good and it was voiced really really well. Really? But um. But but that book itself is actually is great. Yeah. I really liked The Winter Soldier by Ed Brubaker. Mm. Uh, mm. He did great. Uh, the Inhumans, uh, Marvel Knights run. Yeah. A lot of people don't know a whole lot of Inhumans stuff. Um, well, there, there was that awesome show. Oh, it was so good. No, uh, <laughs> no. no I, I, I stopped after like episode two, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna wait for the uh, di- 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 I'm gonna wait for the dynamic duel recap because that's all I need. I don't I don't really need to uh, <laughs> to watch the rest of this. Oh god, it's so bad and it's a it's a tragedy. Uh, the Inhumans 2001, I think it was 2001. Paul Jenkins yeah. arc uh, really showed how they were just as viable as the X Men, just underused. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fascinating characters, uh, and uh, if you don't know about them, check out that run. I also want to do a shout out to uh, the Ragnarok arc on Thor, um, which was completely not like the movie, but uh, it was very myth- mythological. I've always liked that aspect of uh, aspect of Thor the most, the mythological aspect, uh, where it was very it was very Lord of the Rings in feel because mm-hmm. you had elves and dwarves and everything like that. And and uh, I've always wanted the movies to go down that arc. I've wanted Thor to be the Lord of the Rings. Um, kind of franchise for Marvel and they com- mm-hmm. went down a completely different route with Thor Ragnarok even though that was a great movie but uh I've always yeah liked mythological Thor the most and uh that that series was was really good with him uh other than that just shout outs uh Iron Fist Seven Capital Cities of Heaven Heaven that was great that was like Mortal Kombat in a book um and the extremist storyline by Warren Ellis with mm-hmm. art by Addy Grenov mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't Warren Ellis's best work, but the artwork was amazing. Well, I had so much fun talking Marvel. I love talking comic books. It's something I, I wish I could do more of. Um, so before we uh, head out, Joseph, why don't you just remind the people where they can find you? Uh, you guys can find me at dynamicduel.com. Uh, where you can find all the episodes of my and my brother's podcast, Dynamic Duel. Uh, again, we find out who would win in fights between Marvel and DC by running uh, stat-based simulations uh, using the characters' stats that are based on the Marvel Power Grid. Um, and I think uh, we just got done doing Gorilla Grodd versus Psylocke. That was a fun episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and next up, we're going to do... Our next duel is going to be Kilowog versus Beta Ray Bill, um, which are two cosmic alien yeah. uh, guys. Uh, Kilowog is a Green Lantern. Beta Ray Bill uh, is a Corbinite who's given the hammer of Thor. and mm. uh, So that'll be a fun one. And that'll be after our next episode, which is a review of Justice League, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. And he he is the one who actually wields, uh, he wields Storm, Stormbreaker, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, Beta Ray Bill that wields Stormbreaker. Yeah, yeah, because the movie, the movie, obviously they tied. They had a little homage there in Ragnarok, where you see his face as one of like the champions yeah. of the the battle world. Yeah, yeah, the gladiatorial champion. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, I like to call them um, Gold Bloom's bitches. Uh, <laughs> is kind of what it is. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, no. He he's got exactly. He's got like that axe kind of looking one a little bit more. Uh, interesting in the actual comic but he's got that cool weird alien kind of thing yeah but he's like horse face skull kind of thing yeah Yeah. (laughs) yep he's dope all right that was our top 10 marvel storylines please join us next time for another patron episode as we are joined by brian mcclure to discuss the 1980 film midnight madness discuss the 90s tv show wings and recast Wings using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late-night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get.